Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Good, mo- good afternoon. Thank, uh, thanking God for this privilege to come before you. Um, today I'm going to be sharing about the God of Covenant. Uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, I just come at this time into your hands. You are the God of covenant. And I just pray, Lord, that everyone who's listening, either here or in their homes, will understand your nature as a covenant-keeping God. Holy Spirit, take over this time, and I pray that you will prepare hearts. Anything that is preventing them from understanding right now, let it be removed. Open their hearts for the word. I thank you, Lord, for you are a God of covenant. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So God is a God of covenant. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says, Know the Lord your God. He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Covenant is a word that God uses to describe his relationship with his people. At each stage of the Bible story, God relates to his people through a number of covenants. Okay, you must be asking, what is a covenant? A covenant is a pact, a treaty, or a binding agreement, usually formal between two parties of equal or unequal authority. Usually, it involves a stronger party and a weaker party. It could be between God and man, God and a nation, or two people. They're they're associated with oaths, uh, signs, and ceremonies. Covenants define obligations and commitments, but they're different from a contract. So most of you know what a contract is, because it's so common here. We use, we work with contracts. So if you've probably built a house, you would have had a contractor who has uh, decided, okay, this is, uh, this is how much I charge for the, the things and for the labor, and they will write a document and show it to you, and you will look at it and see if it's reasonable, and if it's reasonable, you will agree and you will sign the contract. Yeah? But the thing is, in a contract where the two parties have agreed on something, if one party goes back and, dis- and does not fulfill that party is uh, what, what a part of the agreement, the other party is free from the contract. But covenant is different. In covenant, I said that often a stronger party and a weaker party are involved. And when they make that commitment, even if one party breaks it, the other party is, is bound to stay in the covenant. And so, we can never relate to God like a contract because he is a covenant keeping God yeah so the thing is many of us have that relationship with God as like a contract we said I'm gonna do this and that and then God you do this but that isn't that's not the way God works he is a God of covenant so today I just sense that I need to tell you more about this covenant keeping God so we're gonna go through the covenants in the Bible Covenant is based on love and trust, while a contract is based on 
mistrust. Naturally, you don't know the person on the other side of the agreement. You don't know whether they're going to cheat. So always like you're checking whether will they keep their part? Will they keep their part? But covenant is based on love. Yeah? The covenants can be conditional or unconditional. The words most often translated as covenant in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in Hebrew is berit, which means it appears around 280 times. It means to bind by agreement. So it also means to cut. So often when they made the covenant in the olden days, they would, animals would be cut and the blood shed. Blood had to be shed to seal the covenant. That is berit. The Greek word for it is diathik, which is used around 33 times in the New Testament. It means a will or compact. So actually when you say Old Testament, New Testament, that word is diathik, will, that happens after the shedding of blood. Yeah? So as I said, no, it's you, they break, they, an animal is killed and uh, a perp, the persons involved in the covenant walk through between the animals saying that I will do my part of the covenant if not, let this happen to me. That was the seriousness of this compact or this agreement. Yeah? Now, God's purpose for mankind has been revealed through covenants. So I'm going to take you through the Bible story, actually, because it's about covenants. There are seven main covenants. And when we look at the, the word, it starts in the beginning. The first covenant was a covenant of creation or Edenic covenant. It is a covenant that God made with Adam in the Garden of Eden. God tells Adam to be fruitful and multiply. Tend the garden and have dominion over it. And there was a condition to this covenant. You can eat of all the trees in the garden except for one. The tree that uh, differentiates good and evil. So that was the condition. The creation covenant is not explicitly written that it's a covenant in Genesis. But later on in Hosea chapter 6 verse 7 it says, But like Adam, they have violated the covenant. There they have dealt treacherously with me. So God uh, through Hosea says that this was a covenant that I made with man. So there was an agreement in Eden where man was uh, walking in the blessing and was asked to take care of the animals while God uh, said, okay, if you keep your part and if you obey, I will bless you. But what did man do? Adam and Eve, they disobeyed and they fell. They fell and they broke their part of the covenant. In spite of that, God comes in and says, I'm going to make another covenant with you. And so God makes a second covenant. That's the Adamic covenant. In this covenant, the, we know that when Adam and Eve fell, curses, uh, they were cursed. The curses in the midst of that curses that were pronounced to Adam, Eve and the serpent. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So this was actually talking about the Messiah that would come. And I said, God had that plan. He had a plan. I'm going to keep my part of the covenant, and I'm going to find a solution for you. And in fact, that verse is called the proto-gospel or uh, the first gospel. So in the beginning itself, God has planned a solution for man's fall. So that's the Adamic covenant, and it's an unconditional covenant. Man didn't have anything to do. God said, I've decided to do this. I will do it. 
And then we know after the time of Adam, there are men and, and women walking in the earth, but they're all going away from God. And it comes to the point where later on God says, I regret creating man. Just imagine the God of the universe to think, I regret. He said, I regret. But at that time, there was a man who was righteous, and that was Noah. And all of you know that what happened, there was a flood where only Noah and his family were saved, while the rest of mankind was destroyed. And after that, God makes uh, a covenant with Noah. That's called the no no Noahic covenant. It was an unconditional covenant that God would never again wipe away the whole universe in a flood. And the sign of that covenant is the rainbow. Today it rained and it was sunny. I was looking whether there's a rainbow. But even now that rainbow is there as a sign that God will never again destroy the whole earth by flood. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 45 says, God the Father causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. So God has kept that covenant with everyone in the world, not just people who believe in him, where he sends goodness to both those who know him and who don't. That is his universal covenant. That is the Noahic covenant. And after the time of Noah, again, we see that men rise up against God and they decide not to follow God. They think that, okay, we are wise enough and they build the Tower of Babel and they do all sorts of things against the will of God. And it's at that time that God called out a man called Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, God makes a covenant with Abraham called the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3. Abraham is 75 years old when God makes his covenant. He says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is the covenant that God made. And there were three promises. First was a promise of land. God promised that he would give Abraham's descendants a land. See, Abraham was 75 years old. He didn't even have children. But God said, I'm going to give you a land first. And secondly, he says, I'm going to give you descendants. And thirdly, he said, I'm going to give you a blessing. And through you, I'm going to bless the nations. So this is actually a prophecy about Jesus. We know that the Messiah. So that time itself, God makes an unconditional covenant with Abraham and says, this is what I'm going to do. And we know in, at that time he is 75, but he goes on with life. There are a lot of difficulties coming and still he doesn't have children. At the age of 99, he's still thinking, when is God going to do this? And in Genesis 15, God speaks to Abraham and says, I am your shield and great reward. And, and Abraham says, I don't have children. Uh, would, I, would my heir be one of my servant's children? And God says, no, one from your womb, your uh, Sarah's womb will become a child. And he takes Abraham out and says, look at the stars in the sky. Your descendants will be like that. That's God's promise. And then God, Abraham says, how will I know that this will happen? And then God says, 
uh, okay, he makes a covenant. He does a ceremony in Gen- uh, Genesis 15. Genesis 15 verse 9 to 11 says, So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. So now there's a covenant. I said, no, it be, the animals are being cut and Abraham is getting ready for a covenant with God. And what does God do? God puts Abraham into sleep. He goes into a deep sleep and God tells him about the future. God says, I'm going to take your, uh, after your descendants and take them into another nation, but afterwards I'll bring them back. He doesn't even have children, but God is saying all this. Yeah, he has planned everything at that time itself. And then um, Abraham is in a sleep. And at that time, uh, in verse 17 and 18, it says, And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt, to the great river, the river Euphrates. So at that time, Abraham is, is sleeping, and we see here a smoking oven and a burning torch. It's like the cloud and the fire that went with the Israelites. It is God himself who went through the pieces, through the dead animals, and said, I make this covenant with you, and if I don't keep it, so be it with me. And God didn't even, usually the second party also is involved. But Abraham is asleep. He has nothing to do with this. But God has decided, I'm making this covenant with you. And he keeps it. We know later on that God blessed him with uh, Isaac and keeps it. So he keeps that covenant with Isaac, the same covenant with Isaac and Jacob. And it's through Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that he keeps that covenant. Okay? So just imagine the God of the universe is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of the universe is known as your God. That is how he relates, because he's a covenant-keeping God. So that is the the covenant to Abraham. And uh, in Exodus 2, verses 23 and 24, we see later on how uh, during the time of Jacob, Joseph, Joseph, his son, is taken to, uh, to Egypt and there's a great famine and all of Jacob's descendants go to Egypt and for a, sea, a season, the Israelites are slaves in Egypt. And it's during that time they start crying out to God. And in Exodus 2, verse 23 to 24, it says, The people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And God gives, uh, tell, raises up Moses, and Moses takes them out of the, uh, the Egyptian um, under, from, from Egypt into the wilderness. And then God is going to take them into the promised land. So they're in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, God makes a covenant with those people, the nation of Israel. That is the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant was a conditional covenant made with a nation. The covenant was characterized by three things. There was the law, there were sacrifices, and there was a choice. 
So the law is the first thing, that is the Ten Commandments were given to the people of Israel to, do, to obey. And the second thing is God knew that they couldn't keep the law. So he said, now even if you break the law, then you can repent, give, make sacrifices and repent and I will forgive you. So God gave them the sacrifices. And thirdly, God gave them a choice. They could obey or not obey. God never makes us do things. He gives us that free choice. So if you, if the, whenever they obeyed, they would walk in the blessing. But when they disobeyed, the curses of, would come on them. So that was a conditional covenant uh, with, uh, with the people of Israel. Exodus chapter 19 verses 4 to 6 says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. God tells them, this is, I'm making a covenant with you. And what is their response? In verse 8, all the people said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So they agree to their side of the covenant. This covenant would, would serve to set the nation of Israel apart from other nations. So you may be wondering, why did God just choose one nation? But God did that to show us as an example. When, because other nations would look and say, oh, the nation Israel, the God of creation is their God. They are different and they would understand that he was the one true God. So just as an example to know that they were, that this God is different. That's why God chose that nation. And in, the, uh, in those times, their worship was in the tabernacle. They had a kind of tent where they worshipped God. And the, the, innermost, the innermost part of that was the Holy of Holies. And there was placed the Ark of Covenant. And just imagine, what was kept in the Ark of Covenant? These two tablets of stone where the Ten Commandments were. So very valuable. So God was showing them, I'm a God of Covenant. And this Mosaic Covenant is the Old Covenant. It is now obsolete. And God has given, given us a new covenant. I'll be talking about that. Now, so God has given them the Mosaic Covenant and Joshua is the next person after Moses and Joshua takes them into the Promised Land. And once, so this is the promise that he gave Abraham, that he would take them to the Promised Land. God kept his promise. He brought them into the Promised Land and then after that, the people were ruled by judges. Whenever a judge was alive, the people would obey and God would bless them. Whenever the judge died, the people would disobey. It's like whenever the teacher is in class, the kids are quiet. When the teacher goes out, they're just totally so loud. That was how the children of Israel behaved in those times. Uh, and so whenever there was the judge passed away, everyone just uh, did what they wanted to and the other nations would attack Israel. And, it's, and after some time, the people of Israel said, we want a king. So till then, God was their king. But God, they rejected God and they said, we want our own king. And God reluctantly gave them Saul. But Saul was not a king after God's heart. But Saul later was followed by David. And David was a man after God's own heart. Even as a king, he worshipped. He knew who his God was. He knew he had such a good relationship with God. Yeah? And uh, he desired to make a, play, a place of worship for God. He wanted to build 
the Lord a place of worship, a temple for the Lord. And uh, when he decided that, desired that God speaks to him and gives him a covenant. That's we read in first, this is called the Davidic covenant. First Chronicles chapter 17 verses 11 to 14. And it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you who will be of your sons and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son and I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him who was before you and I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever and his throne shall be established forever. So God promised David that your generations will be seated on the throne. So Solomon became the next king and we know that. But this is, that is the promise in partial. The greater promise was that I'm going to give you someone on your throne who is going to have a kingdom forever. And we know that that is our Messiah, Jesus. He is our king. And he is coming back again to reign as king of kings and lord of lords. So that was the Davidic covenant. And we know how a few kings, they obeyed the Lord, uh, but so many of them went away to the point that... Uh, Initially, the kings of Judah were, some of them were obedient, but the kings of Israel went, went to, into their evil ways. But after some time, even the kings of Judah started sinning, and then God had to exile them into Babylon. And in that period of exile, some of the Israelites, the only thing they held on was that God, you're the God of covenant. You spoke to David and you're going to be faithful. And that is how they went through that period of exile. If you read in Psalms 89, verse 29 to 34, it's a psalm by one person who understood that God would keep his covenant. His seed also, it says, verse 29, his seed also I will make to endure forever. That's the seed of David. And his throne as the days of heaven. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my com commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. That word loving kindness is a word hesed. And hesed is not an ordinary love. It's not just love that we use casually. That word is covenanted love. He says, I will not take away my loving kindness from you, from the people who are covenanted with me. That is the love that he has. He will not break it. He's saying that I will not take away. It will be on you. And that is the promise that they held on in all the period of exile. And so that's a Davidic covenant. And then we come to the new covenant. Yeah? And the new covenant was talked about in the Old Testament itself. Yeah? So the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel, they spoke about this new covenant that was coming. So Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 to 34 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke. 
though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. So not like the Mosaic covenant, not like that. This is a different type of covenant. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. So this is the covenant, the new covenant. So Jeremiah would not have understood what he's talking about. But Jeremiah just spoke this. This is what God says. I'm going to bring in a new covenant. And there were three things about this new covenant that he said, I will put my law in your hearts. You know, um, earlier it was on stones, God wrote the rules, rules and regulations. When you go into a college, they have some rules and regulations, all written paper. But here, these laws are written in your heart. And that is why we can live a life of holiness. Because the holy, the, in our heart it is written, we don't want to sin anymore. We want to walk in holiness because it is written in our heart. So the first thing, that law is going to be written in our heart. And secondly, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Yeah, you're going to know him. You're going to belong to him. In this new covenant, we belong to him. We become his children. There is a relationship. Which God offers a relationship. But he said, I will be their father. You will be my children. You will know me. And because of this intimacy, we will know, understand his heart. And we will understand what hurts him. And what doesn't hurt him. The Old Testament, Moses had to tell them, this is what God is saying, this is what. But here he's saying that even the least, every one of you, can know this God. That is what the new covenant is like. Not just few people. Every one of you can know him. And you can walk in a close relationship with him. Yeah. And the third thing is, I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will remember no more. So in the old covenant, they, every time they sinned, they would do sacrifices. But the thing is, they were forgiven, but in their mind, their conscience was not clear of sin. You know how it is. We feel guilty when we do something. And many of us carry that guilt through the years. I did this wrong. How will I, anyone forgive me? But God says, I will not only forgive you, but I'm going to wipe out the slate. It's so easy to wipe out the slate, but it's so difficult for us to you know, forgive ourselves when we do wrong, when we mess up. But God is saying, I will wipe out the slate. I was just thinking how easy it is to delete things. I just, when I came for the Malayalam service, I just pressed a button accidentally and my message got deleted. But luckily I had another <laughs> copy of it. I was thinking, my God, it's so, that is how God can just wipe out things. It was not there. There's no record in my, in my uh, iPad that there's a message like that. But because I'd kept a copy, I still have, I can talk to you. But anyway, praise be to God. That's, so, that's how God wipes away our sins. So the three things that he does. The will of God. So here, a heart God has given us through the new covenant. A heart that wants to obey God. An intimate relationship with God to know his heart. And a clean conscience. So that nothing comes between us and him. You know, when you feel guilty or you've done something wrong to someone, you feel very difficult to talk to them. 
that relationship is marred. But here God is saying, I wiped it out, you can come to me. And so there's nothing keeping you from God. You can just come into his presence because of the new covenant. So that is what Jeremiah said about the new covenant. And next, Isaiah. Isaiah speaks about the mediator of the new covenant, the Messiah. So in the book of Isaiah, Jesus, uh, he uh, prophecies about a king that is going to come. So that's why the people of Israel say, are wait, still waiting for the king to come. So the first chapters talk about the king of kings, the prince of peace. And the second half speaks about how uh, the Messiah is going to come as a suffering servant. And all of us are familiar with Isaiah 53, where Jesus is spoken about as a man who was, who was crushed and he was beaten all for us. So he's prophesying, and because of what Jesus did, because he died on the cross and shed his blood, the new covenant came into being. So he was a mediator of this better covenant. And thirdly, Ezekiel speaks about the new covenant. Ezekiel speaks about how we're going to get into this covenant. He says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 to 27, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and bring it about that you walk in my statutes or my commandments and are careful and follow my ordinances. So God, when you enter the new covenant, he just gives us a new heart. When you accept what Jesus did for you, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. Your old heart is changed. That's why people who are under addictions, when they come to the Lord, sometimes everything stops. One day, they're, they're, they're slaves to those addictions, but when they encounter Jesus, everything just can disappear because he gives them a new heart. God can give you a new heart. And then he says, and I will put my spirit within you. So he gives us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us, who is our best uh, friend in every situation and walks with us and guides us through life. He's going to give us his, he has given us his spirit. So when we repent and believe that Jesus, what Jesus has done for us, we enter this covenant, this new covenant. It is a personal covenant. Just because your father believes, it doesn't mean that you, have, you can enter that. This is a personal covenant with each person. You know, and it is an internal covenant. All the other covenants were written outside, shown obviously. This is something about your heart, where between you and God. And where you say, okay, God, I want to have a covenant with you. I want to uh, you know, enter into this new covenant. And baptism is a sign of initiation of this covenant. So I went, I brought you through the history of the Bible and I took you through the seven covenants and all of us are entering into the new covenant. So what is our response to this God of covenant? First, as I said earlier, we need to enter into this covenant, the new covenant. So any of you who are watching or anyone here, if you have not entered into this covenant with Jesus, I encourage you today, he did everything. He died on the cross because we were sinners and he shed his blood and that blood is enough to save us. So if you haven't entered the covenant with him, I request today you make that decision. 
ask the Lord to forgive you. Repent and believe what he did and enter into this new covenant. So the first thing we need to do is we need to enter into the covenant. And the second thing we need to do is to love God and others. In Mark's, Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, a scribe comes to Jesus and says, God, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? So he is a person who is till then following the Ten Commandments and all the, and not only the Ten Commandments, there are so many laws and rules that were there at that time. So they had to follow everything. And so he's asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered in uh, Mark 12 verses 29 to 31. Jesus answered and said, the first of all, the first of all, the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it, it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. And then the scribe says, you are speaking the truth, Jesus. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not far from you. When we walk in love, the kingdom of God is not far from us. Our response should be to love this God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. Not with giving him, giving him second place. Giving him the first place. And to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is our first response to the this covenant, second response to this covenant keeping God. And thirdly, today we partook in the Lord's Supper. We needed to remember the covenant by partaking in the Lord's Supper. So we came together and the Lord's Supper is a remembrance of the new covenant, of what Jesus did for us. And when we partake, we say, yes, we remember Jesus, what you did. And we're proclaiming this and also we believe that you're going to come back again. That is what we proclaim when we partake in the supper. And we come together as a family. We become one body when we partake in the Lord's Supper together. Luke chapter 22 verse 20 says, And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The covenant was established by the blood of Jesus. So when we partake of this covenant, we appropriate everything that Jesus did for us on the cross. So we receive the healing, we receive forgiveness, we receive the blessing, we receive acceptance as children of God. So every time you come, don't take that communion lightly. This is what is happening. We are rem remembering what Jesus did for us. Yeah? So we need to remember the covenant by partaking in the Lord's Supper. We also need to walk in wholehearted obedience. It's not good enough to come just every Sunday and listen to the word and go back. God is looking for obedient children. In the time, in the Old Testament, the kings Asa, Hezekiah and Josiah, they were good kings and they followed the Lord. And they said, they made covenants with God. They said, we read of, uh, they entered into the covenant with their whole heart to perform the words of the covenant which were written in the book. So in their knowledge of that time, they entered into the covenant. They said, Lord, we as a nation, we're going to enter into this covenant. We're going to obey everything you do. The Lord is asking you, Will you obey? Will you be obedient 
in this covenant that you have with me will you listen to what i say and obey so wholehearted obedience and next being covenant minded in our relationships as we have seen god has kept his covenant to people even though they failed him so many times the people of israel the people failed him but god kept his part we need to keep this mind in our relationships especially marriage marriage is not a contract it is a covenant before the eyes of god our decision like many times in marriage we see, we feel that the other person probably doesn't you know doesn't uh, do the things that we want they don't like the way they behave but even in that your attitude should be i know that this person has wronged me or done so and so but i decide to love and honor my spouse because the covenant i have with god and with my spouse that is the decision we need to take in marriage as a believer i i don't know many people now because the word covenant is not spoken of people don't understand that but i'm asking this generation when you enter into marriage you're entering into a covenant honor that covenant and god will take care god will give you the grace to keep the covenant god will give you the grace to honor the other person sometimes we are not honorable but they take, but they will accept us so honor the covenant of marriage and not only that in other relationships also we need to be covenant minded not like the world because the world always says if they do something bad to me i'll also do or it's tit for tat but covenant means even if they do something that hurts me i will rise up in love and i will walk in the covenant so that we should be covenant minded in our relationships and finally as covenant people we need to learn to trust god in every situation our covenant relationship becomes the basis of our trust in god i don't know what each one of us is going to go through some of us have very difficult lives but whatever happens you can trust god because he is the god of covenant a w tozer a man of god said real faith never disappoints because it is in god grounded on his character promises covenant and oath your faith is not grounded on feelings your faith is grounded on his character on his covenant and on his promises even charles spurgeon says because god is a living god he can hear because he is a loving god he will hear and because he is our covenant god he has bound himself to hear he is a god who hears he is a god who keeps covenant lamentations chapter 3 verse 21 to 24 i have to end speaking this this is a lamentation that jeremiah writes jeremiah is is in a situation where everything is lost his whole country has been destroyed jerusalem is destroyed the people have been taken as exiles and they're not sure about the future and jeremiah in the midst of that sings these songs and he says in jeremiah chapter 3 verse 21 to 24 this i recall to my mind therefore i have hope through the lord's mercies that is the hesed the loving kindness of god we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness great is your faithfulness 
The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. Every morning you can get up and say, Lord, great is your faithfulness because of your hesed, your loving kindness, which is covenant-based. What a privilege to serve, to have a relationship with such a covenant-keeping God. Hallelujah. Abba, Father, what a privilege. What a privilege. Till the end, He will keep us. He will make keep us faithful. It's not us. We can't do it. He will keep us faithful to the end. And I pray that we will be a church who understands this covenant of God. Yeah, amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Abba, Father, Lord, I just commit everyone who has heard this word into your hands. You are a God of covenant and you have asked us to enter into that covenant with you and you are faithful to the end. Jesus, you are faithful to the end. And I pray that the eyes of the people will be opened up, the eyes of their understanding. Hearts will open up. Some people may not have understood what I spoke today, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will continue to speak to them and that they, in the coming days, will understand that you are a covenant-keeping God, that you are a God of the covenant, and we will love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul and all our strength, Lord, as a church. Let us be known as a church that loves you and loves others. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wscc.in.